in 1 Peter chapter 2 today. If you want to go ahead and turn there, page 588, if you're using one of the blue Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to grab, uh, stand up and grab one at any point. You can grab one right now if you'd like. Uh, but in the, in the blue Bibles, we're going to be on page 588, 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're, we're actually starting a new series today. Um, for the next few months, we're going to be in this new series called uh, Belonging and Becoming the Family of God. And so it's this, this beautiful idea that uh, throughout the scriptures, God has shown and depicted himself as our father, right? That's the song we sang earlier. That's what Joshua led off with in the call to worship, that, that God is this father to us. Um, and, and in light of that, we are a family in the family of God. So we're, we're daughters, we're sons um, of God in, in the family. And because God has saved us out of our darkness and into the light, he's, he saved us into this family, it, it means something more for us than to just show up on, on Sundays and sit next to strangers or to just be acquaintances with people in a house church. I think this reality that God calls us into is this deeper understanding of what it looks like to be uh, the family of God, what it looks like for us to belong to the family of God and become more and more clear or become more deeply what God has in mind when he has saved us into this family. So this series is gonna be a little bit more topical than our last series. If you were with us throughout the summer, we spent almost 20 weeks going verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. And so every once in a while, we'll, we'll kind of go verse by verse through a whole book of the Bible. And sometimes we'll, we'll be more topical in nature and kind of look at a theme in the scriptures and look at it from different angles and different texts. And uh, we're always gonna be faithful to try and ground all of that in the teaching of the word. So um, that's kind of what you can expect throughout the rest of the semester. I'm really looking forward to it. But today we're gonna to kick off this, this series by talking about what it looks like for each of us to belong to and to be the family of God. Like, what is that? Uh, what does it look like for us in a community to be the family of God? So we're gonna be in 1 Peter chapter two, but before we, we jump in and read the text, uh, I wanna give us a little bit of context. We haven't been in 1 Peter in a while. Uh, so it's all, always helpful, I think, for us to understand what's going on, uh, not only in the, in the time that Peter is writing this, but kind of what, what's going on in the, in the larger scope of this letter. So, um, you know, this, this, is, this book, 1 Peter, is a letter um, that a disciple of Jesus named Peter wrote to the early churches. So you can just imagine kind of an early church leader just trying to encourage some of the churches that he's uh, been the spiritual leader of. And the whole point of, of his letter is to remind the church to really, really focus on the grace that they've received in Jesus in their salvation. It's just gonna be the drum that he keeps beating throughout the entire letter. Um, and it's gonna be centered around the fact that the people that he's writing to are living under an emperor named Nero. Maybe you've heard of this, this ruler named Nero, but he's one of the worst dudes of all time, just persecuted and murdered and brutally tortured the Christians of this, uh, of this uh, time in the first century. And, and so these people are living under this incredibly difficult circumstance in which they are, are being persecuted. Uh, the people they love are under constant fear. And, and Peter is writing to this community and saying, I know your circumstances are so uh, chaotic. Uh, I know there's fear and anxiety everywhere you look, but keep your eyes on the grace of Jesus. Like keep your eyes focused on the thing that matters the most and see your experience in the world through the lens of your salvation. He begins to unpack some of the core ways that this looks like in their life. And then we get to chapter two, and, and Peter begins to encourage them by saying, this is what it will look like as you all do that together. Uh, I, I wanna remind you how important it is that you as a community stay together and, and know what your identity is as a family of God. So that's what we're gonna be looking at. 
uh, in First Peter chapter two. Um, and we're, we're gonna pick it up in verse four and then continue down through verse nine. So you can follow along with me if you'd like. Chapter two, starting verse four. It says, as you come to him, that is Jesus, as you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For as it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious. He's talking about Jesus there, a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Jump down to verse nine. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So this is our word today from 1 Peter chapter two. And, and I want us to see in this text, uh, in this letter that this, this man is writing, um, two portraits of what it looks like to be the family of God. And then we'll kind of unpack what that looks, for, looks like for us in our um, day-to-day life. So two portraits we're gonna paint, this, just the foundational elements of what it is for us to belong to and become the family of God. Okay, so the first one is we are a spiritual house. So if you're taking notes, this is kind of our first big portrait. We are a spiritual house. So you see right in verse four, uh, Peter begins, as you come to Jesus, and he, he paints Jesus as this living stone, a cornerstone uh, upon which this house is built uh, with other spiritual living stones, which he uh, calls, that, that's what you and I are, these living stones that he's building in this this house with. And, and I think this is uh, really important for us all to hear. I think what we're going to learn from this is that hey, there's more of God to be known and experienced than any of us can know in isolation. There's more of God to be known and experienced than anyone can know in isolation. So I, I think we've made our, our spirituality, our relationship with God far too personal sometimes. Um, it, it is absolutely a personal decision where we give our lives over to the leadership uh, of, of Jesus, but it is a communal journey that God is taking us on. And I think there's, there's a presence and a power and a ma- manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God in a spiritual community, a family of God that is different and unique, um, that, that is not available to each of us in isolation. This is what we looked, about, looked at in Acts 2 a couple weeks ago. We looked at this kind of this community of believers that was filled with the Holy Spirit. And as they gathered together, uh, the Holy Spirit manifested uh, in, in just very unique ways. So Peter says, we're, we're being fitted together uh, like spiritual stones alive for a temple of God by his spirit. So I don't think the picture here is that we're just kind of all separated stones or maybe you think about bricks. That's probably a better word picture for us today that, that we wouldn't build a house by just dumping a bunch of isolated bricks in a yard and really hoping that it comes together, right? No, no we'd get a, a, like a carpenter, a master builder and they would lay the foundation and build the rocks or build the house with the bricks, knitting them all together um, to build the house. I think that's what Peter is, is talking about here. We're, we're, we're so fit together in this house called ethos that something more than just a collection of individuals would, would happen, would come into being. It would be like this spiritual house that houses the presence of God in a unique way. 
Um, Another metaphor that um, uh, another writer in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses to describe the family of God is like a body. Maybe you've heard of this before, like the body of Christ, where some people are like the arm and they don't have to be the nose. And some people are like eyes and they don't have to be feet. And it's this way that each person has unique, uh, unique wiring to contribute to the function of the whole body. Um, so, so I was actually a, a music guy for most of my life. Uh, I don't know if many of you knew this, but I came to Nashville on a classical piano scholarship at Belmont University. Uh, I wanted to write music for movies. I wanted to be a movie composer, like next Hans Zimmer. I wanted to be like Inception soundtrack part two was like my goal. And uh, so uh, the, the, the way that that trajectory changed is, is a different story for a different day. But um, I, I remember one of my favorite things throughout all of my kind of engagement with music throughout my life was being a part of musical ensembles in some way, whether an orchestra or a choir or a band, a marching band. And so have any of you been a part of like some musical ensemble choir? I know we're in Nashville. Okay, raise your hand if you've been. Okay, so a few of you. So you kind of know this experience, right? But I remember that when I was at Belmont, I was in this group called the Belmont Chorale and it was just sort of like the premier classical uh, chorus at Belmont. Make no mistake, I'm not a very good singer. I, I can just sing really low and they didn't have any basses and I could read music super well. So it was like an easy end for me. But I, I remember being the part of this group that was just so amazing, filled with these classically trained vocalists. And there, there was a moment where we went to a competition We've been training and just rehearsing and rehearsing over and over and over again, all these different pieces and different languages that were just so intricate and beautiful. And we had this competition in North Carolina where uh, we went and performed this, this set of a bunch of, different, bunch of different pieces and we got to the end and everyone just booed us off the stage. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we, we did great. We like came in second place. And, but I remember like the very last song is this like beautiful French piece. Uh, it's just French by itself is beautiful. And then you put music to it. It's even more beautiful. And it's just all these intricate, complex harmonies. And it ends with this slow, complex, just rich chord progression that just gets softer and softer and softer. And then finally, our, our conductor, our director, just with the slightest movement of his hand, uh, uh, cuts us off. And it's this moment, if you've ever been a part of a musical group, where everything just came together. It was just like, oh, we just nailed that. Like all the practice, all the rehearsing. And it's just this moment where everyone just kind of feels it. You get the chills and it's just this moment where you you realize that was something that I cannot believe I was just a part of. That was so special, so beautiful, right? Maybe you've been a part of this with with sports or with some musical ensemble, but um, I, I remember just the emotions of having the honor and the privilege of playing a small part in that group. Now, uh, I do not have the most beautiful voice in the world, but do you know how often people listen to acapella bass solos? They don't, that's how often. Uh, it's, it's not really a thing, right? So um, the, the, the beauty of it is that my voice alone, my part alone, um, is not that spectacular. Uh, It's when I fit my voice into a hole that it becomes this new, beautiful, incredible reality that was otherwise impossible and inaccessible to me. I think this is the picture of the family of God that that Peter is painting for us here in 1 Peter. So often we're content just to kind of be in our spiritual practice rooms alone and just kind of rehearse and do our thing, Uh, even try and have some performances alone. But I think the picture of the church, of the family of God that that Peter wants to paint for us is that we have unique parts, 
unique voices, unique gifts and passions and wirings that can only be uh, maximized and experienced in their fullest potential when they're fit together, like bricks that are laid with one another to build this house. It's like the Holy Spirit is composing this beautiful score, a beautiful symphony, and it's on the paper, uh, but, but it only reaches its full potential when we get together and, and participate with one another to see it uh, come to fruition. So I'll say it again, there's more of God to be known and experienced than any of us can know in isolation. Some of you in this room, actually all of you in this room, have amazing, unique giftings from the Holy Spirit. We're gonna talk about some spiritual gifts and kind of the really practical nature of spiritual gifts next week. Uh, but, but the big idea here is that all of us um, have something to contribute to the family here. But also, all of us have a unique way that we can live out um, God's purpose for our lives in the world. And if we would just play our part, we would experience something so much bigger than we could experience alone. And this is gonna lead, lead us to our second portrait. So the first one, we are a spiritual house. And the second portrait is gonna be, we are a holy priesthood. We're a holy priesthood. So Peter's in these two words that he uses in this text is, is just debunking this myth that only a few elite uh, really participate in the mission of God in the earth, really lead and experience uh, the deepest presence of God in the world. Uh, he, he calls, uh, he says, you are a holy priesthood, that, uh, that, ver- or that uh, pronoun is plural, you plural, you the church, this spiritual house, you are a holy priesthood in this spiritual temple that God is building. He calls us a royal priesthood. So I don't know how familiar you are with like priest language. Maybe you grew up in a, in a tradition of church where that was like super common to have priests. Uh, that's not super common in this tradition, so maybe that's kind of unfamiliar, but the, the idea really comes back to um, the, the people of Israel in the Old Testament. And, and the, the way that you would become a priest in, in, the, in the, uh, the community of Israel was you had to be born physically into uh, the lineage of one of the 12 tribes, Levi. So he was one of the sons, right? And, um, and Levi alone, his descendants could be priests. So if you were born of a different tribe, you had no chance to participate in, in the mediation of God's activity in the community. Uh, you, you weren't allowed. So only the priests could, could work in the temple Only the priests could offer sacrifices and fulfill some of the duties for the community. And I won't go into all their specific roles, but it's an interesting parallel to see how now um, it's not only a few people that have access to God, but but Peter is saying, all of you are now priests in the family of God. All of you. And this is actually something that's pretty revolutionary for Peter to say to these people. uh, Because this is a primarily Jewish audience that was so accustomed to your birth leading uh, to and determining your place in the community. But he's saying, no, all of you are, are priests. And this is where we get the phrase, maybe you've heard of the phrase priesthood of all believers. Uh, this was kind of the founding and foundational element of um, the Protestant Reformation. Maybe you've heard of this before. Where in the 1400s, the, these guys, Martin Luther, 95 Theses, right? And John Calvin, some of these guys basically looked at the Catholic Church and said, I, I don't know if it's right for only a few elite to have all the authority and participation in the work of the kingdom. I think we see something different in the scriptures and they kind of broke off and created a new tradition that that now all of us are a part of, the Protestant faith. And it's founded on this idea, all of us can participate 
in the kingdom. So it's not just me, the, the pastor, the, the one that gets up and preaches. It's not just Joshua or Jared uh, or, or Trisha or, or Sarah, the other people that are kind of on our leadership team. It's, it's not just the people that are in these vocational Sunday church positions. It's everyone. So what, is it, what does this mean? I think it means that every one of us has actual moment by moment, not just access to the presence of God, but invitation from God to participate in fulfilling uh, God's mission in the community and in the world. So what God is inviting us into. So God doesn't need a church filled with people that have masters in theology and 20 years experience uh, to move in the world and accomplish his mission. That's literally never how God has ever done things. God always chooses ordinary people, right? People that are broken, very aware of their inadequacy. Even Peter, the, the guy that wrote this book, just like an ordinary fisherman. And all throughout his friendship with Jesus, he just keeps falling on his face and even betrays Jesus in the moment that Jesus most needed him. And that's the guy that Jesus chooses to really center the early church around his leadership. He turns his life over to the Holy Spirit's work in and through him, and then that's what allows God to use him powerfully in the world. And that's not to say training and study isn't important, right? You know me well enough to think that's super important, but it is to say God longs to use every one of you, both in this community, uh, to, to pour into it, to, to minister to it, uh, and to uh, fulfill the mission in the world. So um, those are the two primary pictures I think we see from this text. The, 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 the family of God is a spiritual house, and that it's a holy priesthood in the world. So what, what do we take from that? What does it mean for this community? What does it mean for you and your lives? So I, I think the fundamental concept that I want you to, to remember is, is this. Information does not cause transformation. Information does not cause transformation. In other words, ideas are not gonna save you, and ideas alone are not gonna give you satisfaction and fulfillment in Christ. You think about when Jesus called the disciples. Um, if you remember when he called Peter or Matthew or some of these other people, um, he doesn't sit down with them on the side of the Sea of Galilee and say, hey, before we go on this journey, I just need to explain just like, let, let me break down who God is for a little while. Uh, let, let me give you some things to understand. I need you to, to profess some belief before you ever belong with me. That's not what Jesus does. All Jesus says, he's like, hey, come on, let's go. <laughs> He's like, just come follow me. See, see what I do, eat with me, watch what I, watch what I, or hear what I say, do what I do. And the irony is that before any of these men ever professed that Jesus was the Messiah, Jesus was sending them out on mission and inviting them to participate with him in the kingdom. So fundamental to life, fundamental to the life of following Jesus is participation in God's ministry on earth. It's fundamental. You can't participate with God uh, I'm sorry, you can't like really embrace this life with God if you aren't participating in his kingdom. And we know this in our lives too. Like you, you know this in, in other areas. It's like when someone kind of shares, hey, I just went to this awesome restaurant. Like you gotta go. And no matter how much you trust this person, that idea doesn't do anything for you. It's like, great, I'll go try it. <laughs> like, cool, thanks for the recommendation. But it's only when you go to the restaurant and you're like, Wow, this meal is amazing. That's what changes you. The experience of it, the participation in what that idea pointed to. And so often, I think we're just so content to, to flip that idea on its head. 
with our walk with Christ. We're just so content to show up and passively experience church and, and just kind of believe, okay, maybe if I just show up, I'll, I'll have this deep encounter with God. And I think certainly God sometimes meets, meets us in those moments. But I think the, 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 the encounter with God that we're looking for will only be accessible to you when you're participating with God. In this way, consumerism has just decimated uh, people's ability to experience God, I think. Uh, I, I think that the mindset of only consuming spiritual goods in a, in a family like this, in a church community, um, has uh, just really hijacked our ability to experience God in the world. When God is inviting us into this life of participation, of using our unique gifts of uplifting the church body and, and seeing the, the power of God demonstrated in community and in the world. So my hope for this church, this, this community, this, this place, this, these people that we want to be a family, my hope is that we would be one that everyone Everyone gets to use their unique talents, their unique, their unique gifts, the ways that they're uniquely wired to pour back in, to, to, to be the, the priesthood among the people, to mediate the grace and the love of God to each other and to the world as we leave this place. This is my hope for this community. So here, here's what that, that's gonna mean for us as, as a community, at least on Sundays. Um, I've been really working hard to try and figure out how do we get these ideas like in our church community. Uh, not to just to talk about them and say, okay, this is a good idea. We'll, we'll see what happens. It's like, now how can we really create some spaces for this to happen? So in, in about a month, we're gonna be kicking off some rhythms um, that are gonna allow a lot of you to have more of a role in the Sunday worship gathering space. I know, um, you know just sharing up front, isn't like the only gift. And we're gonna talk about that next week. But there is a, a way that allowing more people than just my voice or Joshua or Jared to, to have a voice in the community that represents this idea in a unique way. That all of us, we, we're all, we are the priesthood of God in the world. That all of us can speak and minister to each other in this space. So here, here's what that'll look like. There, there'll be people, maybe once a month, maybe more often, uh, you and others that get to get up and just share hey, here's where I see God's activity in the world in my context. We're gonna to get to hear from our students, from our young professionals, from some of the parents, uh, from, from people in different walks of life and say, hey, here's a, a difficult circumstance I've been walking through and here's how I've experienced God in the midst of that. Hey, he, here's a prayer that I've been really praying for and God answered. I just wanna to testify to his faithfulness. It's gonna be a way that we can testify and share in the community of the ways that God is moving. We're gonna kind of call this ethos stories. And I think it's gonna be a really good opportunity for us to hear from a variety of people in our community, especially the women in this community. Now, let's be real, most of the voices that are coming from up here are, are mine and Joshua and Jared. And, and some of that needs to change. So I'm excited about hearing from more of you. Allie's like clapping and she's been on me about this. And I'm excited to hear from you guys because your voices are so important for this community to hear. And so we're gonna kick off this with showing a video um, from one of our former family members. Her name is Maddie Fowler. She used to be like super plugged in. She helped launch this campus. And she's uh, shared a little bit and recorded some things that uh, she was kind of watching God doing in her life uh, back in, I guess, the winter, back in January and February. Uh, we, we had a season of fasting and prayer as a church. And she just wanted to share, hey, this, is, this was my experience of God during that time. So I wanna invite you to watch this video and then I'll close out with one or two more thoughts. Thank you. 
Fowler and I am a family member at Ethos Church. I had never fasted before, for real. I guess I was kind of just driven by like this passion of like, okay, God's on the move and I don't want to miss out. I wasn't praying for a specific thing, but I think just out of that obedience, there was a lot of things that happened that I wouldn't have been able to even ask for. Even up until the 30th day, like there wasn't necessarily a moment where I was like, oh, you know, God's done, you know, or, or I've experienced all that I could experience. I think that it was just like, there's always more, there's always more. I always knew that I cared about people that didn't know the Lord or people that weren't being poured into that maybe did know the Lord, but fast forward really like laid it on me. I um, am now stepping into a ministry internship. That is, I'm now moving to Dallas. Um, Dallas, Texas. You know, I didn't have a finished product at the end of my 30 days. I didn't have something to take away and be like, hey, look what God did. Um, in this neatly packaged present, but it really is this this continued conversation, this continued shift that is different, and I really believe that it's going to continue to be refined. I don't think I would have been aware of the opportunity. I don't think I would have felt called to it. I just know without a doubt that it's the Lord. What I took away from this fasting season is not that day one, you know, something was starting within me, God was doing something in me, and then day 30 it was gonna be done. It, it doesn't stop at the end of your fast, it continues, and God doesn't just work in those disciplined 30 days that you set aside or however many days, it's, it is this ongoing um, way that He works in our lives, and that's how He wants it to be, always, is that deep intimacy. And there was just no denying, like, yeah, okay, this is, I need to be obedient. I need to just kind of walk through this door that's been opened. And I found out that I got the internship the week before Easter. So it all kind of flowed from that month. That's what we can have all the time. It doesn't just have to be um, in a set aside time, I guess. That's just one example of someone uh, from our community that was just saying, hey, here's how I was noticing God's activity in my life in this season. And I just deeply benefited from that. It's like, man, yes, God doesn't just like move in the spiritual discipline. He, he creates this hunger of intimacy in my heart through those things. And that was encouraging to me. And, and, and I think there's so many of those stories in each of your stories uh, that are gonna deeply minister to all of us as we go forward in this. So I'm excited about that. Um, on a more individual level, I really want us to understand and leave this place uh, with, with embracing the idea that God uh, really wants to use your unique passions and wiring uh, to, to minister to people in the world and, and to, um, to kind of be that priesthood in the world. So um, this, this is not just something that's for the theolog theologically trained, like for the professional Christians. Like that's, that's really not however God um, ha has worked in the world. As you go throughout your day, your attentiveness to God's activity around you is an invitation for you to participate in his ministry. And you have the opportunity to leverage your life, your vocation, the spiritual gifts that you have to not only benefit others in this family, but to go out into the world and to continue being people that are conduits of the grace and the love and the transformation of God to others. 
and, and I think by going through life this way, we, we get to embody this beautiful reality of being this spiritual house that is uh, just built so uh, beautifully by the Holy Spirit and, and to be the priesthood for the world, to experience the grace and the love of Christ. And as we live this way, this is not just following commands of Jesus. This is not just doing the things that God says because God says to do them. God has wired us to experience the deepest satisfaction in life when we participate with him. That's where we got back to. Like, information is not gonna lead to, tra- to transformation, but your participation with God will. And that's what I want us to embody as a community. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, every one of these people and the stories that are represented here. Um, thank you for the ways that you're moving among us. And, and I pray that even today and this week, as we go throughout this semester, God, that you would awaken all the unique ways you have wired us and gifted us for this community, uh, for for the ways that we can leverage our lives for the sake of others in the world, uh, to leverage our vocations, to leverage our passions, uh, to leverage the people that we're proximate to in our lives, our neighbors in the coffee shop baristas, that we would have such an attentiveness to your activity in the world that the moment you open our eyes to a situation, we would be uh, just courageous uh, to step into those opportunities. I pray that you would do that in our midst as we continue. We love you, Jesus, and we ask this for your beautiful name. Amen.